Welcome to Together, Sharing This Resurrection Life. This is a podcast with sermon series for our small group discussion. After you have your small group discussion, be sure to check out the show notes and use that link in the show notes to submit your attendance and any questions to me, Pastor Haig, and I'll follow up with you personally. Now, come join this resurrection life together. This particular sermon series is from Pastor Jonathan Borman at Peace in Aiken, South Carolina. Be sure to check out the show notes, and this sermon series is entitled Master Money, Learning with Jesus to Handle Money Before Money Handles You. Your service cards, and if you like a person you want to take notes during the sermon, uh, this would be time to flip it over, and, and uh, you can get ready to do that. Um, I want you to know that I love each and every one of you in here, and some of you I don't even know yet. I, I can see that you're guests here with us, and... Uh, I, I want to tell you, it, this is the kind of sermon that I'm about to preach is one of those sermons like it's, it's good to have your pastor preach it to you because you need to know that the guy who's preaching it really actually does deeply love you. And so I want you to know I deeply love you. And so we're going to talk about eternity today. We're going to talk about what it's really all about today. And I'm going to lay it on you. And I'm going to lay it on you because I love you. I don't want to be saved by Jesus without you guys. So please stand. This is the teaching of Jesus. And we're going to honor him by doing that. And this is a, a teaching that he gives us here called The Rich Man and Lazarus from Luke chapter 16. This is a story Jesus tells. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lo- lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham! Have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone rise, someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. Money really matters here. It really, really matters here. If you listen to this story, 
you can tell that. It, if you've got any humanity at all in you, this story wells up in you. The differences make it so clear to you. You got this rich guy, he's, Jesus says that he's dressing himself. And Lazarus is so weak and he is so emaciated. Did you catch this in the story? He has to be carried. The rich man, he's dressed in in purple and and fine linen, Jesus says. Purple was a, a royal color, an expensive dye. Really expensive clothes. Apparently linen is. I don't loan any linen. Apparently linen's expensive. Uh, flax is a tougher fiber to produce. It breaks in the production process, apparently. And so it's more expensive to actually create linen. But apparently it's really soft. I kind of want some myself now. And it's durable. And, and it's really good in a hot climate. So European aristocracy historically has loved linen. Pharaohs would wear linen. And we got this guy in the ancient Near East, Jesus says, who's wearing linen. This guy, this rich man, he's wearing the best stuff in life. And of course, Lazarus is clothed too in sores. I don't know if you know this, I I did a little bit of research on this. I had a hunch that there's a connection between skin ulcers and malnutrition, and I was right. I googled it. There are multiple scientific journal articles on this. He was was malnourished, and so he got skin ulcers. He was that hungry. And Jesus tells a story about it. And I haven't even told you about the feasts. And there was a rich guy who was eating really well all the time, sumptuously, we're told, every single day. Now, we got to be clear about this. God is not against feasts, right? God really likes feasts. In fact, he plans to give a feast for all who put their faith in Jesus eternally, right? It's called the wedding banquet of all time. God likes feasts. He's not against feasts at all. The problem is when you have a feast and you're not inviting other people to it. See, the guy, this rich, this Lazarus, he was right on this guy's doorstep. And he didn't get a bit of it. And then, and then of course, there's the fact that obviously this rich man, he's a consumer. While on the other hand, and this is, I think, the most gripping image in the whole story, Lazarus is getting consumed. I know modern Americans, like, we love dogs. We think canine human relationships are great. I do too, I got one, I'm in there with you. But in the ancient Near East, you have to understand dogs were flea-ridden, disease-ridden, strays. And what you got here is you got a dog who is licking the sores. This is not a comforting image. What's that showing you? It's showing you that Jesus is he's indicating a guy who's so tortured, so weak, so emaciated that he doesn't even have the ability to shoo away the dogs when they are shooting pain up his nerve endings. Money could have mattered here. But it didn't. This guy was right here on his doorstep. You know, there's a, 
there's a little bit of a push here from Jesus, isn't there? It's amazing how invisible other human beings can be to you. It's amazing. You know how it is? You build a house, you paint one of the rooms gray, and you are so upset because it's the wrong color gray. And there are children in this city who don't have a place to sleep tonight. They are right on your doorstep. You go to our Charlie's, you order a burger, and it comes, and it's the wrong color. You send it back, you're so upset, you got to wait 15 minutes. There are people right on your doorstep who don't know what they're going to eat tonight. See, there's a little bit of a thing here from Jesus where he's showing you people can be so invisible to you. Of course, it goes the other way, too. The thing about wealth is this. It not only makes people invisible to you, it makes you invisible to yourself. I showed you all the, all the differences between the rich man and Lazarus, but I didn't show you the biggest one yet. You know what the biggest one is? That. One of them got a name, and the other one didn't. This is a big deal with Jesus. Jesus tells a lot of stories in the Bible. Did you know this? Obviously, he tells a lot of stories in the Bible. He's a big-time storyteller. But in all of his stories, his characters never get a name. Never, ever, 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 except this one. Lazarus is the only one of his characters in all of his stories that ever gets a name. That makes this a big deal. Lazarus, it comes from an Old Testament name. Actually, the Old Testament name is Eliezer. It's a word that roughly translates, God is my help. What's that tell you? Lazarus, he didn't have much. But he was not defined by his poverty. He was defined by his faith. God is my help. Of course, the rich man was defined too. That's why he's called the rich man. He was defined by his wealth. And I'm convinced he didn't know it. I'm convinced if you would have went to this guy and you said, you know what? Money's your help. God is not your help. Money's your help. He would have said, what are you talking about? I go to church every Sunday, you know? Of course God is my help. That's why I go to church. That's why I hear God's word, you know? Of course God is my help. I'm convinced he would have said that because you notice later he has this conversation with Abraham. You catch this? We're going to examine a little bit more later, later in the sermon. But he has this conversation with Abraham. Abraham says you should have listened to Moses and the prophets. And he doesn't say, what are you talking about? I don't know who those guys are. He knew exactly who those guys are. Why? He went to church every Sunday. He thought that God was his help. He couldn't see himself. He was blind to the fact that he, it was, actually money was his help. See, money blinds you. I've been a pastor for 11 years now. And one of the, my greatest joys is that I've got to pastor people, like real people with real sins and real struggles and and. Many of you have shared them with me. 
There's, there's not a single sin and not a single struggle, I think, in the human condition that I haven't seen that I haven't helped somebody with. It's been an incredible joy to do that for you to help you walk with Jesus. Except for one. I have yet, in 11 years of ministry, to have somebody come to me and say, Pastor Jonathan, money's killing me. It is sucking the life out of my soul. Nobody's ever done that in 11 years. Why not? Because people don't even realize it's happening. And I got to tell you something. The more money you get, the more it happens to you naturally. See, this happens subconsciously and unconsciously. You don't even realize it's happening to you. You, you rely on money for your future, for your security, for everything, and you don't even realize you're doing it. The more money you have, the more you naturally do it. And you don't even realize it's happening to you. You're blind. So how do you know it's you? Well, Jesus gives you a couple symptoms you can look for. One, here's one. You have an inability to distinguish between want and need. Right? You can't tell. Two, you don't feel a call on your soul to help with the needs of your church to help with the needs in your community. Why not? You're too busy thinking about yourself. Money blinds you. But I think there's one other thing that you need to look at that is the hard evidence that this is true for you. And I've thought and I've prayed about how I'm going to say this and I'm probably going to say it wrong and you guys need to love me past this, but I'm going to come out and I'm going to say it. Here's the hard evidence. You look at whether you are giving away vast quantities of wealth or not. It's just that simple. You know, I was doing a little back-of-the-napkin figuring on this. If you're a family in Aiken County and the median income is about 54K, if you give away a generous biblical number, you're giving away $5,000 a year. Now, if you do, this is actually really, (laughs) not just convicting, but actually really exciting to think about. You don't actually have to be a super wealthy person to, by the end of your life, give away $250,000 to $300,000. That's a lot of money. If you're not doing that in your life, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit talk to you on that. Money matters here. Money also matters there. See, what you put your trust in has eternal consequences. Lazarus had God as his help, and God helped him. (laughs) I love this story because it shows you, sometimes people ask me these questions like, how do you know how to get to heaven? You're like, you die and your soul leaves your body. I get that. How do do I know? Like, was my soul going to be wandering around in the ER or something like that? No, no, no. The story tells you, like, angels come, and they usher you to Abraham's side. God was his help. Lazarus died. God took care of him. Did you notice he got a pretty sweet seat at the feast? He got to sit right by Abraham 
That's pretty sweet, y'all. He got to sit right by Abraham. I mean, I want that seat too. God, Lazarus had God as his help, and God helped him. Of course, the rich man died, and he was buried too, eternally. I remember when I was a little kid, and I heard this story from my pastor, and I remember sitting in the pew, shuddering over this, because I got it even as a kid. Jesus is such a clear teacher. Hell is forever. There's no purgatory. There's no purgatory to Jesus. There's no limbo. You don't work it off. Once you're there, you go to hell. You're there. There's no going back. And Jesus says it's hot. I mean, he really wants us to think about this. He gives us this image here that just sears itself into your mind. He says this conversation, he's imagining this conversation between the rich man and, and, and Abraham. And, and the rich guy says, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger. I mean, that's how starved he was. You know, how much sensation he had for water in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Hell is forever, and hell is hot. I remember as a little kid shuddering about these truths. Now that I'm an adult, I do so even more because I know what they mean better. Nobody really knows if Jesus is talking about like actual flames that lick at your body. Some people think that that's a metaphor for how you spiritually burn down eternally. We're not sure. What we do know is that hell, by definition, is the absence of God and his gifts. What we do know is that without God and his gifts, you spiritually burn down forever. There's no love, there's no hope, there's no joy, forever. It's the absence of God and his gifts. And, and this guy, he actually didn't want that. You can look at what he, what he says. It's so interesting, right? He's in hell. Look at what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, God, get me out of here. He doesn't. He doesn't want God and his gifts that are centered in Christ. By the way, this is helpful. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He doesn't. That's why he sent us Jesus. He wants everybody to be saved and to come, now I'm quoting the Bible, and to come to a knowledge of the truth. God doesn't want people to go to hell. Why do people go to hell? They choose it. They want to be there. They don't want God's help. They don't want what is offered through Christ. They don't want it. And so they go there. Look at the guy's spirituality. He hasn't changed a bit, if you think about it, from the time he was on earth to what's happening in hell. He hasn't changed a bit. Look at him. What is he doing? He's still treating Lazarus like he's his water boy. 
He's still his doormat. Can't the guy have a little bit of bliss with God? The rich man's gone. Send Lazarus down here. What is he to you? Still your servant? See, he's still burning down spiritually. And then the guy, the guy's in hell. He still has the gall. He's like, God, I'm so sorry. None of that. He's, he implies that it's God's fault. God, you know, if you want to send somebody back from the dead or something like that, then I'd really get it. He implies it's God's fault. It's not God's fault. What's the point? Heaven and hell are real places. And right here and right now, God is telling you that. There are eternal consequences to what you trust. Now, this is why we've got to look at this closing conversation, okay, between the rich man and Abraham. We've got to examine this thing. All right, because the, the rich man is in hell, and he's saying to Abraham, Abraham, you got to help out my family. you gotta, you got to send, send Lazarus back from the dead. And Abraham says, they're good. they got everything they need. they got Moses and the prophets. They're good. They don't, need, they don't need somebody to come back from the dead. All right? And, and then the rich man says, it's not good enough. you got to send somebody back from the dead. That's, gonna, that's what's going to do it. That's gonna, they're going to repent then. Then they'll really get it. And Abraham stands his ground. Abraham says this. He says, if they don't listen... To Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Now, this is very, very helpful from Jesus because it tells you what the story is about. You know what the story is about? It's not about Lazarus and the rich man. It's really not about them. Who is it about? It's about the brothers. It's about the brothers. Who's it about? Who's it for? It's, it's, for, the, it's for the people whose eternities haven't been determined yet. Right? It's for the people who are still alive. That's who the story's for. This is helpful for us, because if you're like me, you know, you read this teaching from Jesus, you study this teaching from Jesus, Jesus, please give me something I can hang my hat on. Give me some kind of hope. What am I supposed to do? How can I help this poor heart of mine? God, how do I, how do I repent? Where do I find this power for this? How do I wake up my heart that can be so blind and dead in all of these different ways? God, how do I do this? How do I make sure? that I end up with Abraham. And Jesus provides, right? He provides. Listen to God's word. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, listen to God's word. This is Moses and the prophets. This is why we come to church, right? <laughs> we come to church, dutiful people, right? No! God, I need you. I need your word. I need you to reshape my broken heart. I need you to make it alive. God's word is what repents us and converts us and helps us and shapes us and encourages us and manages us, warns us, all these things. I can't even get out my words. It's God's word that does everything for us and in us. God's word does this. By the way, Abraham would know. Abraham would know. He's the guy talking here. Abraham would know. He was a rich man, a very, very rich man who wasn't defined by his wealth. He always gave away 10%. Read about him. He did. Always. He was a rich man who wasn't defined by his wealth. He's telling you what set him free. What set him free? He tells you God's word did. God's word reshaped my heart. He's telling you. It's enough. Here's a note about that. 
God's word has the power to be our help. It's exposing ourselves to God's word, right? It changes our hearts. Now, it looks like that's all we got here, you know? It looks like that's all we got. <laughs> hear God's word. That's enough. You know, that's enough. But there's actually more here in the scripture. I never saw it before. I never saw it, but I see it now. Jesus does something here. You got to look for it. You got to think about it. But he does something here. If somebody rises from the dead. <laughs> you know, Luke, I love Luke. <laughs> Can you imagine this? He's writing this story down. If somebody rises from the dead, <laughs> it's not enough. You see it? You see how Jesus, like, this is what Jesus does sometimes? He drops a seed. He just drops it. Water, water, water. <laughs> just setting you up. If somebody rises from the dead. And Luke, Luke's riding this. He's going, you know what? <laughs> I wonder if they're going to get it. I wonder if they're going to put two and two together. I wonder if they're going to get it. Because the guy does rise from the dead, right? That's Luke. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. A guy does rise from the dead, and Jesus is setting you up for it. And he's telling you, it's not enough. You gotta have Moses and the prophets too. And it wasn't enough. Jesus rose from the dead. How did everybody respond? They're scared. They're confused. Their faces are downcast, Luke tells us. And so Jesus shows up on the road to Emmaus very famously, and they don't recognize him. <laughs> and what does he do? Do you know this from Luke 24? This is so cool. And beginning with Moses. It's the same language. And all the prophets, Jesus explained. See, naked power is not enough to convert our souls. I can come to you and I, and I can explain to you about about money, I can explain to you about eternity, I can talk to you about heaven and hell, I can talk to you about eternal consequences, I can come to you with all of that naked theological power for your souls, and it won't convert you. It won't be enough. What I got to do is help you understand all of this in light of what Jesus teaches us in Moses and the prophets. See why Jesus came. Why Jesus died. Why Jesus rose from the dead. Because he was a rich man. A rich God man. Who saw us lying at his gates. See? And we weren't invisible to him. He saw us naked. He saw us wounded. He saw us so dead in the water that we couldn't even make a move to come to him. And so what did he do? He came to us. See, and he went to all the way to hell for us. What did he say on the cross? What did he say? Famously, he said, I thirst. 
Famously on the cross, he suffered the deprivation of God and his gifts, which is by definition hell. Famously, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He went to hell to get you back. And then he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead to come and minister to every Lazarus here. Every spiritual Lazarus. Who knows just how beggarly they are. You know what? If there's something in this sermon today that convicted you, you need to know something. He became a convict for you. If there's something in this sermon today that scared the hell out of you, then you need to know. That Jesus and his work, that, that the gates of Hades cannot overcome it. If you're scared about the eternal consequences uh, on, on the things that you've chosen or done in this life, then you need to know something. The angel said, do not be afraid. I have good news of great joy for all the people today. See, I'm doing Christmas now, right? He's born for you, a savior. See, the rich God-man saw you at his gates and he refused to leave you naked. He baptized you and gave you fresh new clothes. And he refused to leave you hungry. He came and he gave you his body and his blood for the forgiveness of your sins. He feeds you. See, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out, you know, on the road to Emmaus, you know what woke those guys up? You know what really got it? Jesus gave them the Lord's Supper. He fed them. And they got it. God's our help. I want to close today with just one application. Maybe not the applications that you were expecting you know, I could do applications about, you know, here's how to notice invisible people. I could do applications about changing money behavior. I don't want to do that today. I want to I do something much greater. I, wanna, I don't want to talk about money behavior. I want to talk about money conversion. I want to talk about raising from the dead spiritually. It can happen. Quite famously, did you know this? that in John chapter 11, Lazarus does rise from the dead. You can read about it. Lazarus actually rises. I don't know if it's the same guy, but still. <laughs> it's a cool connection. You know what brought Lazarus out of the tomb? Jesus simply called. The greatest prophet of all, greater than Moses and the prophets, heard that voice and came out. That's what works. You know, there's always more excuses when it comes to money, right? I've been there, I've done that, I know it, I get it. It's always another justification, not that time in life to give more. It's always more excuses. It's time for money conversion. There's a, there's a pastor that I try to emulate who really loved his church and he wasn't afraid to talk about this stuff he loved him and he wrote a sermon to him 
You can find it in the Bible. It's called the book of Hebrews. And at the end of that sermon, he said to his church, he said, keep your lives free from the love of money. And then he empowered them with Moses and the prophets. This is a great verse. He said, because God has said, never will I leave you. Never, ever, ever will I forsake you. And then he said this, God is my help. See, he said, Lazarus, that is the truth that brings every Lazarus right out of their tombs. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we come to you humbly as Lazarus in our own way, spiritual beggars. We ask that you see us lying at your gates, that you pick us up with your righteousness and with your cross and carry us in to God, the ultimate rich man's house. We pray, Lord, that you free us and that you teach us through Jesus that there is a power greater than money, that there is a presence more comforting than money, and that there is a security greater than every security, and that it's you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.